Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Greetings and a warm welcome to the program. Thank you for tuning in. We're delighted to have your company today. I'm on location in Malaysia. And in the studio here, I have a special guest, Eugenia Holhos. Eugenia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your program. It's an honor. Look, it's a pleasure to have you. Now, we've just briefly spoken about your testimony, and I know that many people who hear it today will be blessed by what you have to share. But perhaps you can tell us just a little bit of what you're doing now. Okay, so my name is Eugenia, and I was born in Romania um, almost 25 years ago. And... um, I had studied there, and when I was 18, I moved to Italy, in Milan, and uh, I studied there. Afterwards, I went to Bible training school in England, and then I went back to Milan. And now I'm here in Malaysia. I've been here for six months, and I am a medical missionary. Oh, okay. Interesting. So you had some training in, in London, was it, or um, England? Was it another part of England? It was in Manchester. Okay, right. So you got your qualifications there, and now you're actually practicing what you learned. Well, actually, it was a Bible training school, but I've always been interesting, interested also in, um, in the medical missionary work. So now I'm just trying to combine the two, to combine the biblical knowledge that I have and also the knowledge regarding health and healthier lifestyle. Right, okay, interesting. So you were telling us before you were born in Romania. Perhaps you can just tell us about, you know, the place you were born, your family and the influences there. So I was born in a big family, in a family of nine. I am the last one. You're the baby in the family. Yes. And I was born in an Orthodox family in a small village. But when I was about four years old, uh, Seventh-day Adventist missionaries came to our village and they held evangelistic series and that's how my family and I, we all started going to the Adventist church. Wow, okay. So you were about four then, so the, the whole family then become Seventh-day Adventists? Yes, so that's So you true. and eight siblings yes. and mum and dad? Yes. But later, when I was about 10, both my parents moved to Italy and I moved uh, to the city with the with my sisters, I have three sisters, mm. and there I kind of, you know, stopped going to church for a few years, and I came back only later, when I was 19. Okay, so coming from an Orthodox family and then converting to Seventh-day Adventism, I become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, was there any challenges for your family? I mean, how, how was that received oh, yes. by the rest <laughs> of the family or friends or the Orthodox Church? So we have, a, we have a big family, and my parents also had big families, mm. so I have a lot of cousins. But when we converted, almost all of them kind of abandoned us, and we didn't spend much time together. So 
I was not aware of that at the time because I was only four or five years sure. old. But later I realized that we were, you know, segregated in a way from them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, sorry, how old were you when you moved to the city? About 10, did you 11. say? 10, 10 yeah, 11? 10, 11. Okay. And you're living now with your three older sisters in the city. Um, they also obviously were Adventists of sorts. Did all of you sort of uh, stop going to church, or was it more just uh, you and the, the, Actually, Actually, I don't remember exactly what happened, because two of my sisters were going to an Adventist high school. Okay. But I don't know why I stopped. I probably was not going with them. I was just staying at home and spending a lot of time by myself. And it was also a difficult time, because coming from a small village, I had a lot of uh, classmates who... They all knew each other from before, so for me to come with a different accent, a different education, different clothes, you know, just going into the city was difficult. So somehow I just stopped and I started watching a lot of television and doing other things that just, I guess, you know, didn't make me very interested in God. Sure. It's, it's interesting to see how secular influence, especially television and even sometimes the stuff you read, you know, all the things you watch and uh, those influences can actually draw you away from having a appetite for spiritual things. You're in the city in the big smoke and your sisters are going to a Christian school, an Adventist school. Yes. Are you going to a secular school at the time? or? Yes. In Romania, we don't have uh, secondary schools, Adventist secondary schools. Okay. We only have high schools and I think one one higher education institution. So I was going to a secular school. Right, okay. And the influences at the school also tended towards secularism yourself and not a, a really yes. a religious interest at yes. all. Okay. So uh, going through school, um, would you consider yourself to be a person that enjoyed life? Were you quite, quite happy? I wasn't really happy. I, I would say that my childhood was not a very happy childhood because... Um, I was lonely most of the time, although I had many siblings. And mm. my parents didn't have a good relationship. They didn't have a good relationship with each other, and they didn't have a very good relationship with us. So that affected me, impacted my life a lot. And my father used to be very angry all the time, and he would yell when he would come at home, and I would just hide from him. Mm. Yeah, So he wasn't really pleasant. So for me to move out, it was like a... It was like being released. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So some challenging uh, uh, times in your upbringing. And um, so I, I guess that will sort of explain also why leaving the church wasn't such a big deal because I guess you saw, you know, within some of the, the people in your life that the religion didn't really make too much of a difference in regards to... You know, Romania is a pretty conservative country. Yeah. And I had the idea that God is a God that... A God of law and he just wants you to do the right thing and if you cannot do the right thing or if you don't want to do the right thing he just hates you or he's just condemning and judging you so I felt the same way with my father I'm not he didn't do it on purpose no mm. I realized as I've grown up that sure. he loved us and that's the best what he that what he did was the best he knew mm. but um it didn't picture it didn't I didn't have a good picture of what God is like and that didn't warn me, that didn't attract me, you know. I just thought that God would take away all the joy and pleasure from my life mm. and give me some rules instead. You cannot do this, you have to wear this. Uh, on Sabbath, you cannot uh, You cannot do this and that, you know. So I think this is a mistake that we make a lot of the time. A lot of times we make this mistake that we show 
to the people the negative side. You know, we, we want to, it seems like we want to take away something from them instead of giving them something better. That is a very, very good point, yeah. So the Christianity's got so much to offer, but sometimes the way it's packaged is just probably based on what people have been brought up with sometimes. You know, there could be an element of legalism there. It's all about the don'ts rather than all about the do's and the freedoms we can actually experience in Christ. Okay, so look, I can relate to that, and I think there's probably going to be many listeners out there that can also say, well, they can relate to that as well. Because if you look at a text there, I think of a text in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it talks about God's long-suffering and mercy, saying that don't you know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So if you get a, 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 a wrong impression, a wrong concept of God and what he's like, you know, you can sometimes out of fear try and follow God, but exactly. it says it's the goodness of God that leads you to, to want to change your life and to lead you to repentance. So we, we, we can misrepresent God sometimes, but I think if we, if we know Jesus and know really what he's like and spend time and understand his love, it does, it does yeah. make a big difference because then we can actually, if we've experienced it, we can share it. Yeah, that's what made a difference in my life because I realized that God was love. And, you know, actually Titus 3 verse 4 says that when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared... You know, that's when we, we were saved. And I think mm. it's, it's really true because only love can awaken love in us. You know? That's so right. Is if it, we have a wrong conception of God, we will never come back to God. Yes, the Apostle John that says that only, that only by love is love awakened. Or we love him because he first loved us. I think those are yeah. the exact words. Yeah, that's true. We see, we see love modeled in Jesus. Okay, so you're in the city. Uh, you're no longer going to church. So what is it that starts making you reconsider life a little bit? I mean, are you at that stage yet? Or is there a few more things that needs to happen in your life before you, you get to that point? So I would say that all my teenage years, um, I felt empty. I had friends, you know, after a while in the city, I made some friends. But I remember going through my contact list and trying to contact some friends, you know, to spend time with. And I always ended up not calling anyone because... I just felt that they cannot understand me and that their company would not make me feel better. So I would just wander and go to the park by myself and walk on the streets by myself. And I, I used to watch a lot of TV, as I said earlier, and, you know, I enjoyed it because it was like a drug to me. Mm. Because real life was not pleasant. Real life was full of challenges and I was alone and sometimes, yeah, sometimes sad or... Uh, or angry so real life was not very pleasant mm. so in this movies that I used to watch I used to get so much into it that it almost seemed to me that I'm living in the movie and every time the movie would end then I would feel like oh I have to keep this feeling up and to and to continue watching another one and another one but after a few movies I would feel so empty and I, I would wonder you know what is what is life about you know mm. do I have to go on like this forever or is there something more that I can I can obtain or achieve in life so the movies were a way of escaping reality and you, know, you sort of put yourself in the movie and I guess that happens to a lot of people you know where they're not quite happy with them and the way to get happiness I spoke to a, a person a while ago he was actually a grown man and he just says he doesn't really have a happy life. So for him to enjoy, he's got to go and watch a movie. And then he escapes. He forgets about it. He worries, his troubles. 
and he actually puts himself, he lives like he's experiencing the movie. And, you know, in the mind, if we watch something, the mind doesn't know the difference between us just observing or actually experiencing. But we, uh, we had an interesting presentation earlier today about the influence of television on the mind and uh, I think there's a perennial gland and how that can actually cause depression and anxiety by just con constant watching of television because it's always about intrigue, it's about this one uh, cheating on that one and this one lying or stealing or whether there's murder and you don't know who's... So that's how the devil catches people. But like you were saying, you watch a few movies and then you just feel more empty than before. You know, one movie might be good but then two or three down the road and it hasn't given you what you were looking for. Yeah, and the, actually when you realize how how wicked this world is and because we have to we have to think about who makes these movies, right? To have certain ideas, you know, they had those ideas in their minds. So that means that it comes from in, inside, right? Like the yeah. Bible says that the things that will will condemn us come from inside. Mm. The things that will make us filthy, right? They don't come from outside, but from our hearts. So our hearts are wicked, desperately wicked. So I, I just, I felt the need of, of something more. I felt the need of someone to take me out of, of this situation. And um, and the only solution you knew at that time was escapism through, through movies primarily. Yeah, mm. movies, but then I tried something else. I also tried modeling. Yeah, so okay. I, I was a model for a few years. And I met some of the richest people in Romania at that time and I did some fashion shows in the capital of Romania and I realized that it was not what I wanted mm. you know because watching TV and seeing those models run down the catwalk is something else but doing it is is completely different because you realize that you do that for one minute two minutes and that's your you know minute of happiness And then you go back to your hotel room and you take off your nice clothes and jewelry and makeup and it's just you and it's emptiness all over again. And it's even worse than before because the more you experience something of this world, the more you realize that it's, it's, it's not fulfilling and mm. that you're still empty and the void is still there. And what convinced me that this is not what I wanted, that it would not make me happy, it's because it's, it's seeing the people around me who had a lot of money, who had everything they wanted, and seeing these girls who had the clothes, the beautiful clothes, and expensive and luxurious bags and everything, and shoes. So I saw that they're not happy. Mm. So just by looking at them, I didn't get to, I didn't have those things at that time, but just by looking at them, I, I realized that they're not happy and they're not content with what they have. Wow, so you could actually see if you stayed in that environment, you'll be just as happy as they are, which wasn't really all that happy at all. No, so were you, were you starting to contemplate the purpose of life and all that at that stage? Were you thinking of it from that construct or were you actually not thinking of it quite in those terms? I would say that I was not mature enough because I became a model when I was 15, 16. Of course, yeah. So I was not thinking about the purpose of life, you know, as I, as I, I think of it now. But I was, you know, subconsciously thinking, why, why are we here? Why... Why do we do what we do? You know, why do I go to school, and why am I studying these things? And I realized that there must be something more to life than what I had at the time. Hmm. And I realized that I was so empty. So I needed, you know, I needed something to fulfill this emptiness, to to fill this void, you know. And after modeling, I actually tried also 
I mean, while I was modeling, I was also going to parties and drinking alcohol sometimes. And that really didn't help, you know, it just <laughs> emptiness and void all over again. Mm. But afterwards, um, I actually had a relationship with a non-believer. And, um, but you were secular at this time as well? You know, I was, I was, I was feeling that because I was born in a Christian family, right? So I knew that certain things were wrong, but I wasn't quite sure, you know? And so mm. when I met this person at the beginning, I was confused and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have peace, but I continued the relationship anyway. And I didn't have peace, but somehow, you know, you think, oh, it's not the perfect thing, but, you know, it could work somehow if you, if you really try hard. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I tried hard for one year, two years, but I remember that my boyfriend took me to a really beautiful place for, for uh, Christmas, holidays, and um, also New Year's Eve. So we were in this beautiful place by the sea, and he looked at me and said, aren't you happy? It was New Year's Eve. I say, yeah, I'm happy, uh, but you don't look so happy. And I was trying to hide it, but I couldn't hide it. I just felt that even in this, you know, seemingly perfect environment, something was missing. Hmm. Because the weather was beautiful. I mean, I come from a cold country, so yeah. to be in a warm place in January, it's a good. It's a very nice thing for sure. for us. Yeah. So, and I was there with my boyfriend, but even he could see the emptiness, you know, hmm. and. And I couldn't explain to him. I couldn't even explain it to myself, but I just felt that something is missing. Wow. So as far as, you know, wanting to achieve things in life, you tried a few things because sometimes people think, well, only if I have this, then I'll be happy. So you tried the modeling, you know, and there comes some elements of, you know, I guess positive things that you, you can get from that, but that didn't satisfy. And then the relationship and that was two years down the track. And even at, after two years, you still weren't happy. So. Yeah. And, you know, I also, I was good at school. I liked reading and studying. And I had good grades. Actually, my grades only went down when I started watching a lot of TV. So going back a little bit, I'm speaking about the influence that it has on our minds. It's a terrible influence. Mm. So if I ever have children, as, as long as I can keep them away from it, I will keep them away. Because... Yeah. I've always had good grades, but when I started watching TV, my grades went down and I just couldn't focus on reading anymore. So the TV, television, as we said earlier, it has, it has a very really bad impact on our minds. So, okay, I had good grades, you know. Hmm. Even, even this success didn't, it was not fulfilling. Okay, so so. Even academic success wasn't satisfying? No. Right. So did you have any idea of what you'd like to become, you know, as you grow older, as far as career or Well, anything? I, you know, because I watched so many movies and so many fashion shows and these people look happy. Hmm. I thought if I could only be like them for sure, this emptiness would disappear. So I wanted to be an actress or a model. Yeah. yeah. And you did the modeling? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, uh, how long does this unhappiness continue in your life? Does it does it get better at? Uh, well, I guess we're talking now, so it must get better at some stage. But uh, after that discussion with your boyfriend, you're in this beautiful place, and you're still unhappy. Uh, what happens subsequent to that? Is there an improvement, or is there further deterioration in so your? So the same year this happened, I started going to church regularly. What made you go to church? If I may ask. Well, you know, in a way, I knew that God was missing. 
But every time I tried to get closer to God, I thought, forget about it. You know, I, I'm a sinner. I can't do this. You know, I'm trying to, I would just throw out my magazines and throw out jewelry and other things that I thought were bad and try to be a Christian and not listening to worldly music anymore. But it will only last for a few days. You know, our self-righteousness is, doesn't last too long. It doesn't, you're right. So I knew that something was missing because, thanks God, I was born in a Christian family and a Christian country. So I knew about God and I never became an atheist, I could say. I just So you were always, I, always believed that God existed and there was yeah, a God? I think I kind, of, I kind of like put God on hold or, you know what I mean? Okay. Just give me a break and uh, sure. we'll see later what But happens. you didn't consider God as a friend of sinners. You couldn't, that concept was foreign to you. No, I, I consider God as a judge and someone who just wants to condemn you for everything that you do wrong. Mm, wow. And to me, it seemed that I can never do anything right. Mm. Okay, so you start going to church and you still feel empty? So... You know, what made the difference in my life when I started going to church is that when I started going to church is that I met two young people who had attended a Bible training school. I didn't know about their training at that time. I just saw that they're different, that uh, they would spend a lot of time with us and with other young people from the church. And they were young as well. Hmm. And they would do Bible study. And I thought, you know, so they... personal Bible study? Or would they give Bible studies? They, they had, we had small groups, or okay. they would do it personally, just one person. And they would lead up in small groups with Bible studies? Yes. So when I saw how dedicated they were, you know, I thought, these people spend their Sabbath afternoon just talking about the Bible, and they do it during the week, too. And I wonder, you know, what, how come they don't find it boring? Because for me, the Bible is boring. And okay. I thought it was our duty and obligation to pray and study the Bible. It was not a pleasure. It was not something I enjoyed, even though I was going to church already. Hmm. So, you know, they really knew the Bible very well. And it was the first time when the Bible came alive, you know, and it was not boring anymore. And I remember when I, fir- I first heard the seventh week prophecy, Seventy week prophecies yeah. of Daniel chapter nine. Yeah, I okay. was amazed because I thought, you know, wow, all these dates are so on point and everything happened mm. just the way it was predicted. And yeah, you know, you know how John three says that we do not know where the wind comes from and where it's going, but we can see the effects. That's right. I would say yeah. that my conversion was a slow process, and I, I don't know all the moments that were important, but for sure. Bible prophecy and studying the Bible was a turning point. Mm. Okay, so these two people had a quite a big impact on your life then because you saw a Christianity which was different to what you had seen previous to that. Yes. And the fact that they just loved being in the Word of God and it wasn't duty, it was pleasure, was foreign to your perceptions at that time as well completely foreign yeah i i never imagined you know that i could enjoy the bible so much and i would actually look forward to praying and spending time in god's word because as i said earlier for me it just seemed like it's an obligation and a duty Hmm, hmm. it's not it's not something that we are supposed even supposed to enjoy you know right so you you become friends with these two people they, uh, you start attending more Bible studies. You yes. start doing your own Bible study. Maybe you can just talk us through that a little bit. So I was going to church every week. It was Tuesday evening after work and after university classes. 
So I remember being very tired, but I would still attend the Bible study because it really, you know, it really made a difference. It attracted me, you know. But what also made a change is the fact that we started doing outreach on Saturday afternoons. And although my life was not right with God because I was in a relationship, you know, with in a sinful relationship, I would say, and I was not baptized, and I didn't know a lot, but just sharing with these people the things that I knew about made a difference and made me want to know more about God and the Bible. So as you started sharing with people, you realized there were maybe some gaps in information, and then it would take you back to the Bible so you can study up on that, so you can share more. And that whole process started transforming your life. Is that? Yes. It transformed my life, and it also made me want to to attend the same training that these two people attended. Mm. So I began to ask questions and, you know, in in like three or four months, I just asked them so many questions and they would say to me, you know, um, I think you should really attend this course. It will change your life, you know. And at that time, I had already been baptized, you know, and I was already baptized and I thought... Okay, so you got baptized after you met these people? Yeah. Okay. So I thought, you know, oh, and then in the meantime, I, I prayed and, you know, did some counseling with my pastor. And um, by God's grace, I managed to get out of that relationship. Okay. But it was really difficult. I don't know if if I've, you know, at that time for me, it was, it was like a tragedy because I did not have my parents close to me. I didn't have um, my siblings. This, my boyfriend was the only one who was close to me. And for me to give him up, it was like giving up everything I had. Hmm. But So he was like your family, basically, wasn't he? But I, as I got closer to God, I realized that I have to choose, and I, I chose God. Wow. So that's quite a big choice. But what do you say would finally convince you to make that decision? Because it's not an easy decision to make for people that you thought life would be better with God than apart from God. Can you put your finger on that? Can you sort of identify what it was? Because obviously the Word of God is a factor. Prophecy was a factor you just mentioned before. You know, it's it's difficult to explain, but I think what's what makes the difference is that I was not alone anymore, you know. So actually this thought came to mind that I will never, ever be alone again. Because God is with you through because the Holy God Spirit. Because God is with me, but because I've had such a lonely childhood and lonely, uh, lonely adolescence, hmm. for me to discover that I'm actually not alone and that I can speak to someone, you know, 24 hours out of 24, seven days a week, I think this is what made the difference, that I'm not alone, never alone again. Well, that is very powerful. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll come back straight after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, 1 John 1.9. But how does He relate to those who refuse to repent, who witness His second coming? And the kings of the earth... The great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. 
for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Revelation 6:15 to 17. Will you let the lamb stand for you? Welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. I am on location in Malaysia and in the studio I have a special guest, Eugenia Holhos. It's been wonderful just listening to your story so far. You've been talking about your life and that, you know, they were always looking for something that will bring fulfillment and contentment to your life, but always feeling empty and always feeling lonely. And you had some successful things. You would academically, you were doing well at many parts of your life. You also tried modeling and you thought that my happiness might come from that. And then also, of course, a relationship. But you felt that those things didn't quite satisfy so then just before the break, you were telling us that you realized when you saw Jesus and God as a friend of sinners, that if you give your life to the Lord, you will never, ever be lonely again. And, you know, that text comes to mind out of John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I'm about to depart, but don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you and I'll come again. But in the meantime, I will send you another comforter, another helper. And Jesus says there, um, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him. So the world wants to see to believe. He says it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the disciples already knew him. And of course, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be in them. And he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you without a comforter. I will come to you through the Holy Spirit. And you realize that at the time when you gave your life to the Lord, knowing that God will always be you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So that's very powerful. And I think it's something that will mean a lot to our listener out there who's listening at the moment. But perhaps you can start talking a little bit further about what happened subsequent to this uh, period in your life. So I remember the time when I decided to attend the Bible training school in England okay. that my friends attended. And it was the happiest time of my life. It was the most difficult also, but also the happiest. So you're going through difficulty, but you're happy. You know, because when we grow in the Lord, um, it's difficult because self has to die. Mm. And I think that's why we don't see many Christians because... Jesus said, you know, if you if you want to have eternal life, you have to die. So you have to take up your cross and follow me. Mm. And I was afraid to do that. As I said before, I thought that God would take away all the pleasure from my life. So I think that this is where a lot of people fail to experience true Christianity, is that they don't want to give God a chance. They don't want to totally surrender. So as I surrender and I went to this mission school, um, I learned a lot about our doctrines, and now I was an Adventist, not because my family was an Adventist, but because I studied the truth for myself, and I believed it, and it changed my life. And after the missionary school, I went back to Milan in Italy, and I wanted to become a missionary, hmm. but um, I didn't have, I had some opportunities to go to Africa, but I prayed about it, and I understood that God wanted me to be there. And it was kind of frustrating because I thought, you know, I don't want to be here. I want to be in the mission field. Why are you keeping me here against my will? And, but anyway, I, I was obedient to God and I started to look for a part-time job that would allow me to do missionary work and to do Bible studies and prayer meetings and, and after work. Hmm. So I found this job and um, by God's providence, I started to work in a Chinese company. Okay. And... Um, 
I would, I met a lot of Chinese people, and I was impressed by their dedication and、hmm. how much they can work and how how well they can handle stress and pressure. And、um, I began to study the Bible with one of my colleagues, and、um, it was really challenging, you know, because they come from a, a total a total different country, a total different. A culture. They don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about sin and sacrifice and God. And I liked it. You know, I was excited when I, I when I had to go for this Bible study because I really had to prepare myself, and it was really challenging. And you know, they would ask questions that no one had asked me before、mm. during a Bible study. So yeah, I guess if you're doing Bible studies with people who already have a Christian background, the questions will be different. But if you come from a totally secular mindset,、uh, or even a, you know a, a mindset that's never thought of the Christian God, the questions would be very different. So how did you come up with some of the answers? Well, I had I prayed, you know, I、mm. prayed a lot, and、um, I think God helped me. And of course, I, when I didn't have an answer, I would just say. You know that's a good question. I never thought about it, and I'll think about it and and try to give you an answer. And then you go back and home and study, and then come back with a with an answer. Yes,、mm. yes.、Uh, but there is something else that I haven't mentioned yet.、Um, so after the Bible training school, I I got sick. I didn't know what was wrong. I just started to feel tired, and、um, I I realized that I cannot work out as I used to. I.、Mm. I became vegan and I started to work out and change my lifestyle and habits after I was converted. But at this time, I just realized that I, I have no strength. You know, I, I cannot work out, and I started going to the doctor, and they couldn't see anything wrong.、Mm. And、uh, I went to several doctors, did several blood tests, and、um, I even went to the U.S. because I had some friends there and who were doctors, and they helped、okay. me and did a lot of tests for free. And they did a lot of tests, like I could say, thousands of dollars of tests,、wow. blood tests, and、um, and the symptoms were just that you had no energy. I had no energy, and then I had、uh, neck pain and headaches almost every day, and、um, like every day, and for like a long period of time, like I would say maybe the whole day, and then I started to have chest pain also and、mm. shortness of breath. I would say that these two symptoms together. Create a lot of anxiety,、mm. and、um, at that time I really had to, you know, pray a lot. And God was my only hope and strength,、uh, because I just, you know, I felt like I could die from one moment to another. Wow! And、uh, but now I can smile when I think about it, because somehow when we go through difficult situations, we we feel God's presence more. Hmm. That's、yeah, beautiful. So you're going through a difficult time. And the, the frustrating thing would probably be that no one can diagnose exactly what's wrong. Yes, and you know, I was I was doing all the right things. I was sleeping enough. I was eating the right food. I I was exercising, you know, and I was I would say I was practicing temperance in all the aspects、mm. of my life. But there was one there was one aspect I was not aware of, and as I began to you know search on the internet and. I tried a lot of natural remedies, and I saw that they didn't work, and and I started to have、um, stomach problems as well, and my stomach would not tolerate even the most natural health supplements. Wow! So I think that God, by taking away all these、uh, 
possibilities or opportunities to be healed with these natural remedies, wanted, me, wanted to point me to something more important than all this. I'm not saying they're not important, sure. but I was lacking one ingredient. I was, I was not looking at what goes on in my mind. I was okay. not looking at mental health. And, um, you know, the, the spirit of prophecy says that nine out of ten diseases begin in the mind. Mm. And I had heard that quote, but I didn't really think much about it because I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to apply it to myself. Sure. So if I just ask a question here, you were, you were quite sad and unhappy, you say, in your previous life. You were quite lonely. At this point in time, had that uh, loneliness and that feeling disappeared somewhat or was, it, was some of it still with you? It had disappeared completely. Wow. You know, because everywhere I was, whatever I was doing, you know, we did, we went door knocking when I, when I was at the training school and it wasn't easy. I was in a foreign country and, you know, foreign language, foreign people. Hmm. But whatever I was, you know, and I was by myself. I was, you know, 21, 22, going away from my adopted, my adoptive country and from my sister. So... Everywhere I was, I just felt that I felt God's presence. But it's interesting that you should ask this because when I became sick and I, I was going through a lot of pain, physical pain, and I started to wonder what's going on, you know? Um, how can I be so sick? Am I not a good Christian? And, you know, then all those thoughts about God being evil and condemning and judging started to come back. Mm. So... But I still, even though I was angry with God and I was in a lot of pain, I would just open the Bible and cry and say, you know, God, you promised that you'll not give us more than we can bear. So I would say that in those dark times, I would say maybe the darkest times in my life so far, the only thing that kept me going is looking at the cross. Okay. Because I thought there's a lot of suffering in this world. I am suffering. Most people around me are suffering in some way. But because God has given us a cross, I can see that he is love. And I don't know what's going on, you know. And I would be angry with God. And I think it's okay to be angry with God. But we have to take it to him in prayer. Mm. You know, because I'm, I never stop, you know, even in those darkest times, I never stop praying and never stop studying the Bible. So I would just look for verses that would comfort me, like Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18. It basically speaks about the fact that whatever happens, you know, and I applied it to myself. You can look at the verse and apply it to yourself. But I thought, you know, God, if you, if you, even if you never heal me, even if I'll never be able to get married and have a family because of this sickness, even if I will not be able to have a career and, you know, work, whatever happens, I want to be able to rejoice in you because you are the God of my salvation, and you mm. have saved me from my life. So this gave me strength, but, you know, as in this year's three or four years, towards the end, you know, before I came here to Malaysia, um, I had depression, and I was not aware of it, but I became hopeless, you know, and, and I thought, what is going on? Why do I feel like this? I've never felt like this since I've been converted. You know, and sometimes I would sleep during the day because I was so tired, and I would wake up and... I don't know how to explain it. It's, it was not a physical feeling. It was a spiritual feeling of just falling into nothingness, you know. And, and I, yeah, it was just darkness. And um, 
then I go to church and give Bible studies and go to work and my life was just going on as, you know, and no one noticed, you know. Mm. But in my mind, I was like, I'm sleeping, you know, sometimes I could sleep even 12 hours a day and still feel tired. Wow. And at that time, I didn't know it was a symptom of depression. I just thought, may I have other problems or lack of some vitamins. But the problem is that I had checked all the vitamins and everything was perfect. Mm. So... And it took me so long to do everything that I wanted to do, you know, even to clean my house, which is a small house, to go and, you know, uh, buy some groceries, even get dressed because it was winter, so I had to wear a lot of clothes. Everything, I just felt like I'm slowed down. And at that time, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was depression. Hmm. So somehow I found about this place, and um, I came here in March. I already wanted to go to China as a missionary, but I thought, and I actually applied to go, but I thought, you know, I'm so sick, I cannot go to China. It's it's too tough for me to go there and for my health. So I came here, I was a patient for one month. Okay. And hydrotherapy, counseling helped me a lot. But I would say that what helped me the most is that I realized some things that were wrong in my thinking. Hmm. And um, as I was saying earlier, I discovered that, at least in my case, it began in the mind, and then it had an impact on the body. And I discovered, you know, a few things in my relationship with God, because I saw God, even though I was converted, even though I read the Bible and I see that God is a God of love, subconsciously I still felt that I was not good enough for God. I still felt that whatever I'm doing, I'm just doing it wrong, and God is never happy with me. And this sense of guilt has a terrible impact on our on our mind and mm. our body. And then I also discovered that I had expectations from my relationship with my parents because they didn't have a good relationship with each other and with us. I always felt like they didn't give me something that I should have had from them. And this is not good because when we think we are losing something, when we think that we have not received what we should receive, we are going to start looking for it in the wrong places. Hmm. And not only that, but our mind will not be content. And you know that Proverbs 17:33 says that a merry heart does good like medicine. So, yes. And I thought it was okay, you know. But now I praise God because... I know that through this sickness, he helped me to see these errors that were in my mind unbeknownst to me because I thought I'm converted now. I'm a new being and all these things are gone. Mm. But it's actually a process. It's not. It is a process, definitely. And God, you know, God holds us, doesn't hold us accountable for those things that are not, we're not aware of. And it even says there that our moments of ignorance, God winks at, you know. So it is, it is a process where God takes us through steps and we get into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And quite often it comes down to there's some things that we're not even aware of that we may not have surrendered to the Lord. Because while we trust him, the trust is not yet at that level of, of commitment and full surrender. And that, that does come by time. So I, I appreciate you sharing that because it's probably not, not too easy to share it. But we praise God that you have, you've worked through this process. So I'm curious. You're, um, you've gone through this difficult time. You didn't really recognize the depression. So I guess you didn't know you needed help at that time. You just, was any, did anybody ever thought maybe you're going through some spiritual battles? You know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Was anybody that ever prayed for you just to help you? Because I guess if you don't know something's wrong, you're not asking for help at all, are you? 
Well, some people from church knew I wasn't feeling well, hmm. but they just encouraged me to go and see doctors. And okay. I saw doctors. Medical doctors. Yeah, they hmm. didn't have an answer for my problem. But the problem is that they could not see I was sick, right? Because they could not see. I didn't look sick. Right. Sometimes they could see that I'm tired, but I didn't look sick. So, so no one took me seriously when I said that I'm not feeling well. Not even my sister, who was living, we were living mm. in the same house. Mm. And she couldn't tell that I was not feeling so well. But I would say that what helped me, you know, uh, it's watching some lectures that are called The Law of Life. Okay. And it helped me to realize about these errors and things that were going on in my mind. And it helped me to realize that everything that we go through, just as the Bible says it, right, in Romans 8, that all things work for our own good. Yeah. But we don't, don't really take that seriously. So now I try to live, you know, every day of my life thinking that in all his dealings with us, he, uh, God's purpose is our sanctification. Everything that he gives us is not too hard to bear. Yeah? He will not give us a temptation that is greater than we can bear. Yeah, and, and you've, um, you've, so obviously the Word of God and the power of God has sustained you through some of these difficult trials. And I think you've quoted a couple of times now that text that we find in First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted about what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And now these promises become very precious when you are going through a difficult time and you feel like you might be becoming overwhelmed with things. To know that God is faithful, that he won't allow you to go beyond anything. He will weigh it and he will give you the strength required or he'll say, no, you're not strong enough yet. I won't let you go through that. Absolutely. You know, one of the most important things that I think we need to learn as Christians is that faith is not feeling. Mm. Yeah, so we cannot trust our own feelings, especially for someone like me who had depression and maybe other mental problems. It's not easy, mm. you know? but we have to overcome wrong feelings. We have to understand that not everything that is in our mind comes from God. And we have to that fight and we have to resist these temptations to give in to despondency and, and sadness and anger. But sometimes, you know, I was angry at God and I would open the Bible and I would say, look, God, here it says there had no temptation taking you. And I'm telling you, this temptation is more than I can bear. You have to do something about it. Wow. Yeah, no, fascinating. Now, there's a text and I'm just trying to remember, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And in verse 3, is for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and then bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So that, that bringing the thoughts back, because you mentioned about that, there's a responsibility. You know, and we've surrendered our life to the Lord. The Lord is, God is able yeah. to transform us by the renewing of our and mind. And I had no idea that, you know, we, we, have to, we have to control our thoughts. We cannot let them run riot and just go whatever they want, you know. I find that it's, the Bible says that we should bring everything into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I mean, our, all our thoughts. But it's not easy. Mm. So we, we need strength. We need grace from God to do this. Amen. Look, I'm someone that can actually relate to your story in, in, in some way because I also had depression. I suffered depression for seven years. 
and I finally realized it was depression and my depression just got worse and worse where my thoughts became so dark that I I don't recall having any good positive thoughts that my thoughts were dark continually to the point where you know just your desire for life um, and your reason for living is totally gone and it's actually my wife that identified the fact she goes you need to have, have some some professional help and what I I knew enough about the Bible that I finally discovered instead of taking my life why don't I just give my life in other words death to self Amen and, to death. And when I gave my life to the Lord and died to self through Christ, you know, when Christ was crucified, I was crucified with him. I didn't realize it, but I'm probably two weeks after I made that decision, and it was a bit of a process. We should be talking about your testimony, but I just want to give a quick snapshot of mine. Um, after about two weeks, I'm at a conference, and it is just before lunch, and it dawns on me that I have not thought one dark thought one thought, depressing thought, one thought of suicide for about two weeks. And I'm totally blown away that how, how God can be so gracious and good to me that he actually miraculously changed my mind. He renewed my mind and I, I hadn't become aware of it until two weeks later. So I left the group of people I was with. There was probably about 100 people at this 120, 110, 120 people at the conference. I went to my room and I just went and thanked God and I prayed and I said, thank you, Lord, for changing my mind. You, I was the happiest person on the planet. I couldn't have been happier. But it was miraculous for me. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should not go and look for medical help because I think medical help is also an important aspect of it. But in my experience, God did a miracle in my life. You know, it's interesting that you should say that because I think that was my case too. Although I had decided to be a missionary, I just felt like God is not doing the right thing in my life, that I should be somewhere else doing something else. Mm. So I think that sometimes if we do not surrender completely, then we will not be content with with what God is doing in our lives. And this will will cause us, you know, will cause some problems. Mm. And as I said, you know, to summarize it, I had problems in, in my view, uh, views of God and in my relationship with Him and also in my expectations from my parents and therefore from anyone, everyone else. I realized that I was seeking sympathy from people, you know, and I was pitying myself for, you know, having a hard childhood and being lonely and then pitying myself for being sick. Mm. But God has taken me so far away from home thousands of miles away from home to make me stronger to push me out of my comfort zone because I have to travel every two three months to get out of Malaysia and I meet new people all the time I stay in people's houses so God has really pushed me out of my comfort zone mm. and I didn't know anyone when I came here but being here has really helped me understand that this earth is not our home Yes, And it has helped me understand that a lot of things, you know, we are surrounded. I wish our listeners could see a picture of this place. I, I think you can agree that it's a wonderful place. It we are surrounded by nature. Yes. It's, it's like a taste of heaven. So being here and spending quiet hours in nature has shown me a lot of things about myself. And has shown me that God could answer my prayers in one second. He could heal me in one second. Hmm. But what if I would be eternally lost because I would lose what he's doing in me? Right. And I realized that he has called me in the mission field because he wants to save me and he wants to show me all these things. He wants to show me that total surrender is the only way. If there is only if there is only one percent that we have not surrendered, it will make us distrust God. 
That is so true. Yes, I, I agree with that. You know, and Paul talks about in the book of Hebrews, he talks about, you know, parents sometimes for our own good would discipline us. And he says, you know, the Lord disciplines us sometimes because he loves us. He wants to transform and change our lives. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that you're going to have a smooth ride all the way through. It's not going to be like a Hollywood, uh, you know, fairy tale. It certainly has its difficulties. But those difficulties actually bring peaceable fruits of righteousness after you go through the, through the discipline of it. Yeah, our view of happiness is twisted. You know? hmm. Happiness is holiness. Uh, the more holy you are, the more happy you are. Yeah, and the more but, you help other people, the more you actually returns to your own happiness. You know, because we have a fallen and sinful human nature. Yes. We believe that selfishness will make us happy. Mm. But the Bible says that it is more blessed to give than to, to receive. To receive, yeah. So we just have to realize that happiness is not what we think it is. And God wants us to be happy. But mm. I find that the most important thing is not how you start your Christian walk. It's how you end it. Because we can start, you know, at the top. We can be very spiritual. We can read the Bible. We can read the spirit of prophecy. But just what you mentioned, if we do not accept God's correction, if we are too proud to accept his correction, yeah. we will fall. Right? We know that Satan fall, fell because of his pride. Hmm. We know King Saul. We know Judas. We know other people who almost got to the point of surrendering but did not surrender. And we have the example of wicked and good kings in the Old Testament. Yes. Right? They started, some of them started really badly, but then God showed them their error and they confessed their sin and repented. But some of them started on a good note and ended with pride. Mm. So this is our problem too. The, the Apostle Paul says that we are saved by the gospel that he preached if we keep it until the end. That's right. But I find that we may get prouder and... We may say to God, oh, God, you have cleaned the wounds. You have cleansed me from my sin, but now it's enough. I can't take it anymore. You know? But we have to endure until the end because everything that God does is for our own good and for our salvation. Mm, amen. So we still can have fruit of the Spirit even while we're going through trials. You know, God can still sustain us and we can still have love, joy, and peace. Now, I'm not talking about a sense of euphoria. I'm not talking about that, but we can still have peace while going through the storm at times. But these things, these things purify us. Look, thank you very much for sharing your testimony. We're just going to take a short break and share our contact details with our listeners. And we'll be right back after these short messages. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973 3456 or you can send an email to radio at 3 You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. I'm on location in Malaysia and in the studio with me we've been listening to the testimony of Eugenia Holhos. And she's just been talking about her life journey from, you know, being someone that was quite lonely and then trying to find solutions to this problem, even in academia, even in modeling, even in relationships. And then finally discovering some substance in the word of God and giving her life to the Lord. But then subsequent to that, having some difficulties and trials and experiences, which were perhaps unexpected. So 
Eugenie, just as we close this program, have you got any words of encouragement for people who may be going through similar trials? Well, first of all, never give up prayer and never give up Bible study. As I said earlier, even if you're angry with God, just take it to Him in prayer. Mm. But what encouraged me is the fact that I realized that the, greater, the greatest of gifts is to get to know God. It's not mm. to have a career. It's not to have a family. It's not even to be a missionary. But the greatest of gifts is to get to know God. And I also learned that I would never know if my pain were to quickly flee what it means my grace is sufficient for thee. So all these things that had happened to me, I realized that it drew me closer to God. And I realized that if I never went through these things, I would have not known God and I would have not felt His presence the way I did. Yeah, wow. Thank you very much for sharing that. That's very encouraging. And I think those are true words, you know, that the the greatest gift that God can give us was His Son. And that was to reconcile us back to God, to make us one with God again, so that that broken relationship can be restored and we can have Christ form within us, ultimately, which is our hope of glory. Dear listener, we pray that you were blessed today by Eugenia's testimony. If you have any questions, you're welcome to contact us on the contact details we shared with you earlier. And we pray that God will continue to guide and lead you in your life as well. And never give up your faith and your hope and your trust in the Lord. We look forward to catching up with you next time here on By the Word of Their Testimony. God bless you. Until then. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.